subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for conversations with veterinarians, oncologists, rehab therapists, and other experts discussing amputation for dogs and cats. Find more info, helpful care tips, and a free gift at tripods.com slash radio. Thank you for tuning in to Tripod Talk Radio, where we're spreading the word that it's better to hop on three legs than limp on four. Hosted by Jim and Renee and Wyatt Ray of the Tripod Blogs community at Tripods.com, Jerry's Place for canine amputees and their people. Thank you for listening. This is Tripod Talk Radio, and today is Sunday, July 15th, 2012. We are honored to have a very special guest with us today, Dr. Marty Becker, acclaimed author of more than 20 books, including Your Dog, The Owner's Manual, and his newest book, Your Cat, The Owner's Manual. Please join us in the live chat room at tripods.com slash chat, or call 310-388-9739 with your questions. Dr. Becker is a regular contributor to ABC's Good Morning America, Parade Magazine, Reader's Digest, and is also a member of the Dr. Oz Medical Advisory Panel. You can read more about him and his work at drmartybecker.com. Today we are going to talk with Dr. Becker about amputation issues for cats and dogs, including pain management, post-surgery care, and much more. So let's get started. Welcome, Dr. Becker. Hello, my friends. Hello. I'm, I Hi, live in Dr. North, Becker. I live up in extreme northern Idaho. It's says uh, Idaho is a funny state. There's a trivial pursuit question in the original deck. What state is surrounded by six states in a foreign country? And that would be Idaho. So it's really, wow. really tall. It's the whole height of Washington and, and uh, Oregon on the west side, the whole height of Montana and Wyoming on the east side, most of Nevada and Utah on the bottom. But at the top, it gets really tiny. It's only 45 miles wide at the Idaho Panhandle, and that's where I live. So when I sit on my deck, I'm seven miles behind me is Canada, 15 miles to the <laughs> east is Montana, and 30 miles to the west is Washington State. Oh, that sounds beautiful. Yeah, I live halfway up a mile-high mountain on a horse ranch with four dogs, four cats, three horses, a bunch of fish, and, and it's like the ark unloaded here. We have... Literally within a mile of our house, uh, I've seen grizzly bear, wolves, black bears, moose, elk, um, mule deer, white-tailed deer, wild turkeys. It's it's, it's a neat place. And and do they all come to you for help when they're not feeling well? (laughs) Well, you know, one thing that is interesting, when you live where you have wolves, uh, it's. I always think if an alien spaceship was hoovering above the Earth and they saw these, these you know, tiny Chihuahua, this Pomeranian, this Sharpay, this Great Dane, this Irish Wolfhound, then what are these things? And it's all derived from a wolf, and as are yeah. coyotes. And you never see a waddling wolf or a corpulent coyote with a big deer gut sitting beside the road, going, "Oh my God, I've let myself go," you know, and. Uh, and, you know, we have uh, a big obesity problems with pets, with one out of a two of America's pets overweight or obese. And, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things I really stress. Uh, in fact, I had somebody here today that, that bought something on Craigslist and came up here, and they were uh, they knew me from Good Morning America, and we were talking dogs. And I said, I want you to throw your food bowls out and use food puzzles. And food puzzles are like mm-hmm. slot machines for dogs where the kibble goes into chambers and has to be dropped, turned, manipulated, spun, pulled, some way to get it to come out, and... 
you're not just feeding the body, but you're feeding the mind as well. Oh, they they definitely need that, especially when tripods are, are recuperating from surgery. I mean, it keeps them from going batty. Well, I've had a tripod dog and I've had a, a bipod cat. When I was first practicing wow. as a veterinarian in, in southern Idaho, uh, a, a little cat got uh, in a, a hay mower and it cut its back legs off. And I, Ouch. And this cat was brought in to be euthanized and, and uh, I fixed it and we kept it as the clinic cat. His name was Stubbly Do-Right, as in Stubbs. <laughs> and, and he would, uh, you know, he would drag himself around the clinic. Uh, he lived, uh, he lived to be 15 years old. And then we had a wow. dog named Lucky, uh, Lucky Boo. It was Lucky with three capital L's because Lucky got hit by a train, and oh that that took his his leg off. And then he was bleeding profusely, and they put him in the back of this pickup to rushing to the vet. And and going down the road at 70 miles an hour, he jumped out, <sighs> and. Uh, and then he was lost in the in the woods, so that was his second L. And when he was lost in the woods and he was attacked by coyotes, that was his third L, but he was rescued by these good Samaritans and taken to the vet hospital, and, and we ended up adopting him. So he was lucky with three capital L's and a little lab shepherd cross. and, and uh, just, just, He was he was uh, had lost one of his front legs, which, as you know, makes it a lot harder. You know, a rear leg is a lot mm-hmm. easier than a front leg, but... Even with this big old barrel chest, he, his other leg, uh, you know, morphed into that, uh, you know, tennis player size arm. Or large animal veterinarians that do a lot of pregnancy checking, they, they look like tennis players because they're, you know, they're in these cows' rear ends and the cows are <laughs> squeezing their arms like isometrics. And if you ever see somebody that looks like a really strangely odd with one giant arm, he's either a tennis player or a large animal veterinarian. <laughs> Oh my God! Dog. I never thought of that. It's <laughs> funny. Well, um, let's uh, let's talk about your new book, um, your cat, the owner's manual. Um, uh, let's tell me what made you decide to to write this book. Well, you know, I'm a I'm a veteran veterinarian of over over 30 years and a lifetime pet lover. I was born and raised on a farm in southern Idaho and. You know what? Then when the when the dogs want to take a bath, they jumped in the canal, and the, and the cats were barn cats, and we'd have twenty cats, and then we'd have three cats when some virus come come through. And I've been lucky enough to you know do something I love to do and to be able to communicate to the masses via media platforms. And mm-hmm. and I just don't play a veteran on TV. I'm a practicing veteran. I was practicing Friday. I'm going to be practicing this next Wednesday. And wow. I wanted to set out to write something that was. You know, I've done books like the Chicken Soup books or these, you know, short, uh, true stories, these emotional stories. Mm-hmm. I've done books about people and pets exercising together. I've done The Healing Power of Pets, uh, about the human-animal health connection. But we wanted something that was really A to Z about, you know, your dog, the owner's manual, your cat, the owner's manual, that if you were getting a pet for the first time, it would help you select right and get started the right way and, and save money without shortchanging the pet. And if you were a longtime pet lover, I wanted you to, to have some surprises. And it's really weird on a book like this. It took four of us uh, two years to write this book. And of the four wow. of us who were working on it, we interviewed 20 of the world's top feline experts, not just from the United States and Canada, but from England, from uh, Scandinavia, from Australia, from all over the world. And, uh, you know, there was actually these experts actually learned things that they didn't know, which is was really refreshing on, you know, like how much, uh, you know, what kind of cat litter cats actually prefer and, and how do you, how do you, how scents really work to stop destructive, destructive clawing and, and inappropriate elimination and, 
and handle uh, dental issues, dental prevention, and things like that. So um, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a really good book. I think uh, you know the veterinary community's really embraced it. The veterinary behaviorist has embraced it, and and uh, it's a good book. You know, I had a cat years ago, and and she was my first cat, and I I didn't even know where to begin. I would have loved a book like this. So. Um, I thank you for doing this uh, for, for people who, who really need it out there like, like I did. Um, you mentioned dental care for cats. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, uh, you, know, you know, we always talk, remember the, all the, the social unrest with the one percenters? We are the one percent. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. it, it also works for people about brushing their pet's teeth. There is about one percent of all pet owners brush their pet's teeth. M- my wife is, is a weirdo. She brushes our dog's teeth every day. <laughs> She uses a dental sealum on it. There goes my 16-pound doorbells, by the way. So, uh, you know, my wife's coming home from church. So you'll see how well-behaved Dr. Becker, America's veterinarian's dogs are. She, uh, That's cute. Uh, isn't they cute? My 16-pound doorbells, Cora and Cody. So she, uh, uh, you know, she brushes her teeth every every day. She uses a dental sealum mm-hmm. once a week. She gives them uh-huh. uh, dental treats. Uh, you know, greenies and something called CET hextra chews, which is uh, rawhide impregnated with chlorhexidine. And yeah. uh, she, uh, um, but for cats, they've never seen a toothbrush. They're never going to see a toothbrush. But what we do is we give them call, something called CET oral hygiene chews and CET hextra chews. And they're, they're something that's made by a company called Verbac, but they're really, really tasty. And it actually, when they bite into it, it, it squeegees the plaque and tartar off the teeth. And then it has a dual enzyme action that, that keeps the, the, the teeth clean. So what mm-hmm. you're doing by doing daily oral care like that, just giving them an edible toothbrush, you're going to dramatically decrease the, the number of times you need to get them professionally cleaned. You're going to keep them in a lot better health with a lot less pain and infection in the mouth. And, and a mm-hmm. pet that has daily oral care is going to live 15% longer, which is an average of two years. So keep them their ideal body weight, do daily oral care on a pet, and they'll live 30% longer. Wow, that's a long time. It's a long time, and it's going to save you. That's one of the things you do by saving money without shortchanging the pet, you know. And nobody's going right. to brush the cat's teeth. I mean, that's like walking a cat on a leash. I mean, you want to own the neighborhood. I, I can't even imagine. Yeah. But, uh, you know, given that kind of a, or edible toothbrush, and most people aren't going to brush their dog's teeth either, so you can do additives in the water and give them uh, these kind of oral toothbrushes as well. There's actually a new mm-hmm. product out now that's a sealant that you can put on a dog or a cat's teeth uh, via the veterinarian, and it lasts six months. So if you don't want to do anything, all you got to do is wow. get the sealant put on your dog or cat's teeth every six months. Wow. I, I had no idea that existed. That's something to look into. Get a brand-new product. Thank you. Yeah, I brush my dog's teeth every well, every other day about, and well, you know um, what, I would love to make life easier. <laughs> you know what? That's good enough. I mean, if you're doing it every other day, if you're even doing it three mm-hmm. days a week, that's you're gonna you're getting eighty percent of the benefit. So oh, you know that's that's really good, really good. We try. You know, I, I just can't stand a dog with bad breath. So <laughs> that's my, well, you know the my thing, little thing. I had a cold sore a couple of weeks ago, and I was telling my wife, "Oh God, this thing's killing me." And, she looks in there, and it's about the size of a pencil eraser, and I'm complaining. And you see these, you know, like I said, I was practicing as a veterinarian Friday, and you see these dogs and cats coming in with these inflamed gums. Can you imagine the pain? Uh, it, yeah. It must be unbearable. And then uh, also the infection, you know, what we don't see under the gum line. Every time they chew, this, this bacteria gets pumped into the bloodstream and just wears away the liver and kidneys, and that's what shortens the life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I, I will... Definitely look into that that sealant product. That sounds really interesting. 
Um, I, I want to jump over to uh, talking about amputation and, and felines right now. Um, is that something that you talked about in the book at all? Maybe um, you know, um, yeah, we handicapped we talk, cats. We talk a little bit about it, but you know, I've I've seen lots and lots and lots of. Uh, you know, I've, I've had my hand in making a lot of three-legged cats, and it's mm -hmm. a really easy transition for them. They're they're natural adapters. They're acrobatic by nature, and if you know, if you just keep the liquor off the incision for ten days, your cat's gonna act like nothing's missing. And mm -hmm. you know, three legs on a dog is is tolerated a lot easier in the in the hind than the front. But both the front and the back take about you know two to seven days to accommodate the weight shift. And, mm -hmm. and the key the key to recovery comes from the best pain management during surgery. So I work at two different veterinary hospitals in northern Idaho, North Idaho Animal Hospital, and Lakewood Animal Hospital, and we give medication you know before, during, and after the surgery. Uh, mm -hmm. We do actual pain blocks. Uh, we'll do uh, spinal cord blocks, and um, you know it's just funny though. These you know these dogs and cats recover so fast, and there's never any issue like oh my gosh, you know I'm, people are going to be staring at me, you know, and they just right. it's, it's just remarkable. It's inspirational how they tolerate that and how fast they bounce back. You know, it, it's it's so true. Um, do you think that that cats recover faster or uh, or about the same as dogs? I think they recover faster, not not by much, but they're just you know they're lighter and they're just more acrobatic, and it's mm -hmm. just uh, there's such a mismatch on some dogs. Like you know, my daughter has pugs. You'll see some of these deep-chested dogs that there's so mm -hmm. much weight on the front front legs that if they're missing a front leg, it's it's uh, more difficult for them. Mm -hmm. But these cats, my daughter has a, you know, I forgot about my daughter. She has a three-legged cat named Nemo, and, uh, you know, he can do just just everything. I mean, climb up a cat tree and and very social. And, and she named her, her daughter, my granddaughter, uh, uh, Reagan, named her Nemo after the fish that had the defective fin, you know. And she was a yeah. big, big Nemo fan, so that's how Nemo got the name. But uh, just going to live a happy, healthy, full life. Well, what are what are some of the reasons that um, cats lose a leg? I mean, most of our members lose one uh, because of bone cancer, but what are some of the more common reasons that, that cats become tripods? It's pretty rare for a cat to be diagnosed with, uh, you know, with amputation because most cancers in cats are just too aggressive. So mm. the, the most common reason that cats lose a leg is due to trauma. So they're run okay. over by a car or an animal attack. Uh, that's what uh -huh. we see the most. But occasionally it's uh, you know occasionally it's soft tissue tumor or carcinoma, but mostly irreversible trauma. Mhm. Mm and and do most people that you meet do they do they automatically go for the amputation or are they just as hesitant as as dog owners are? Uh, I think they're less hesitant. You know, one thing I, I've learned too, you get. You know, you you know, if you think about love, for example, love is nebulous but easily understood by anybody that ever feels it. You know, mm -hmm. and like this human-animal bond, again, it's so it's impossible to qualify or quantify who feels it. And uh, I think it was last year I was sitting in the office at uh, North Idaho Animal Hospital in Sandpoint, and the technician comes in with this ashen look on her face, and she goes, "You're not going to believe this." In exam room five is a dog who chewed his own leg off, and, and I, I like what? And what had happened? The dog had been hit by a car and injured, and had a, a, a really severe neuroma, and this thing was causing excruciating pain and discomfort for this this family. Mm. 
and I think every community has a place, if you identified it, you tend to associate with a lower income group. So this was one of those areas where they said they live here, and and I thought, oh, boy. So we go in there, and uh, they had kind of a homemade Elizabethan collar to prevent this dog from, from you know, licking, chewing on itself. And one day that uh-huh. it got it off, and, and it literally chewed its own paw off. That's how bad uh-huh. it was. So, you know, I talked to them about... Um, about the importance of amputation that you know if you get the weight distributed right and take that weight off it's so much easier for them to to ambulate and uh, we get rid of this thing that was causing all the, the pain and misery for this pet and uh, I you know and I, and I so I said let me give you an estimate and gave them an estimate and they said you know let's do it I mean they if you just looked at where they were from and probably looked at them and looked at the the you know the cause of this you just thought oh, no way but, uh-huh. uh, again, that bond was strong, and uh, they really loved that pet, and they wanted to do the best for it when they needed to step up. So uh, I've learned before just, uh, you know, I always recommend the highest level of service, and only the owner can decrease that level, not me. I'm I'm going to be an advocate uh-huh. for the pet and say what's the best recommended treatment. And if budget is a concern, then, of course, we'll adapt and make adaptations to, uh-huh. you know, postpone things that uh, aren't vitally necessary and prioritize them. You sound like such an awesome vet. I mean, people are so lucky to, to have you there. Um, what about people who live in a small town and they have one vet and the vet takes a look at the animal and says, "Yeah, you should put it down. I mean, we hear that a lot. Um, what are what would you say to, to these people? I mean, what are their options if, if, you know, a vet tells them that? What should they do in, in, in thinking that they... Go ahead. It breaks my heart. I saw a dog Friday. I was as a veterinarian, and and it was a, a pug, and they'd kept it its ideal body weight. It's really good condition, really sweet. Uh, this dog was one of those dogs that can't hold its liquor. You know, man, he was giving me a canine tonsil <laughs> swab, but he had this chronic cough, and they told him it was a collapse in trachea. It'd never get better. And a collapse in trachea mm-hmm. is really hard to hard to diagnose. Yeah. You know, it's like trying to, you know, suck air through a straw that somebody keeps pinching off all the time. Hmm. And uh, anyway, we did a thorough workup on it, and in fact, this dog had pulmonary hypertension. So that was, you know, there's, you can get a cough from, uh, you know, a a respiratory problem or also from a heart problem. This one actually had a, had kind of a combination circulatory respiratory problem, but it wasn't oxygenating, and that's why it was coughing. And uh, we started this dog, uh, started on Viagra, believe it or not. And that's what Viagra wow. originally for was, for, was for pulmonary hypertension in humans. But in humans, it had this other side effect that uh, was desirable. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this, do- this dog is going to be fine. It, oh, it, that's you, great. I, I, I want to I tell people sometimes, don't, there are, there's only 60,000 veterinarians in the United States that are practicing. There's... You know, if you looked at one of these major bowl games on TV, we wouldn't even fill half the stadium up uh, in most stadiums. It's that tiny. But not wow. all veterinarians are not all veterinarians are good. Not all, certainly not all veterinarians are great. And I always recommend, you know, if your gut tells you something, you're not sure to get a second opinion. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these, a lot of times, it'll come to where a veterinarian is either beyond their level of expertise and they don't want to refer it to somebody. So they'll either either uh, you know try to do it themselves when they shouldn't do it, or they'll just think you know it's just so complicated and think you don't want to spend the money, and so they'll try to you know think they're actually giving you an out by saying you know I just euthanize it when mm-hmm. and, you know most of them they do great, they do really good with uh, with three legs or even two legs. 
Yeah, it, it's it's amazing how many uh, vets out there have have told people, no, you know, your your dog won't won't do well. Um, mm-hmm. And one of one of the things we also run into is um, vets who aren't very up on on the latest pain management. Oh boy, uh, which, which you had talked about earlier. Can we can we address that for for just a bit? Oh, that's that's critical. That is just critical to give a you know to give a pre-operative anesthetic and and give pain medications intravenously during surgery to do local blocks for post-operative pain to do epidurals for hind leg. Uh, we want to do all those really to keep the amount of gas anesthesia low. Uh, you know, we can do fentanyl patches. We can do these drips with ketamine or lidocaine uh, in the hospital and. Then we'll often send them home with, uh, you know, tramadol, rimadil, meloxicam, or buprenex, and um, you know, for home use. I, I just think back. I think back of all the animals that we, you know, spayed and neutered. Um, just think about that. That's perhaps the only major surgery this pet will ever have, and it was never given any pain medication for decades. Yeah. And and now, you know, we've. Uh, yeah, I was actually told 30 years ago when I was a practicing veterinarian. Uh, when I was in veterinary school, pardon me, that pets didn't feel pain. Uh, they just, and if they did, they needed to feel pain, so they were immobile. It was just crazy. We we know animals have the same neural pathways that humans have, and feel pain exactly the same way. And so, if you relieve pain, you know you're not only preventing suffering, but they heal so much faster. And now that's, that's you know, a, like, something good to think about too. I, yeah. I never thought of it like that, but you're right. It, it does help them heal. So we did, uh, you know, everything we did, the dentals we did on Friday, the spays and stuff we did on Friday, everything goes home. Everything is given pain medication before, during, and after surgery. And then these major things like we've got really severe pain, like get an amputation, you know, then you really ramp it up and do things like these these fentanyl patches or the IVs with uh, ketamine or lidocaine. And lidocaine is kind of a topical anesthetic. Matter of fact, when we do dentistries now, we'll actually block, we're not only on a, preoperative medication we actually block the nerves going to the jaw and after we're done with each extraction we actually spray a topical anesthetic in there so there's like four or five wow. levels of pain control it, it's better, literally better than it is on the human side it would be my dream to to see every one of our members have a, a doctor who prescribes that kind of pain management that is awesome um, we have a, a caller on, on the line right now his name is Ralph and Ralph has a question for you. you Go ahead, Ralph. Um, we've got a tripod German Shepherd here who actually he, he was a rescue last year. He was in really bad shape in a shelter, had a lot of skin skin problems, you know, yeast overgrowth, uh, multiple things going on. He's been on prednisone, um, had some itching, chewing on his butt too much and inflaming back there. And we've been working with our vet, and we're starting to work down off of prednisone, and we've tried to use some gabapentin to help, and we're going off the prednisone to try to control itching. And we got a big drop in just his overall strength. Um, So he's also probably got some dysplasia in the front, in one elbow at least. He's he's a rear leg amputee. just any general advice about this balance between the prednisone may have been helping with the joints, but you can't use that forever. Right. Any general gam- thoughts about how to approach these things? And then the gamma pentin works, you know, to kind of block this peripheral pain. It's um, it works really good in some, and and 
you know, others it doesn't work so well or cause that kind of weakness you talked about. Well, there's several things. There's several things I always think about here, and th- this is for you know four-legged, three-legged, two-legged pets. Is one is to keep them thin. Uh, I, I think I mentioned earlier in the show we had somebody come up here today to buy something, you know, off Craigslist, and uh, they were going, "Gosh, your pets are all thin." Well, they're not. They're not ASPCA thin. They're just thin, and even my my daughter's two pugs are thin. So if there's, if there's just less weight to carry around, it's just less damage you ever get to the joints and just much easier to, to walk and ambulate with less stress there. There are some really good joint diets. And I actually went to a conference in London on nutrigenomics. And when when you eat these foods like Hill's Prescription Diet JD or uh, Prina Veterinary Cares or IMS has one, Royal Canaan have these joint diets, they have these really extremely high levels of, of omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids. And, in fact, if you're going to give that same level that they get, you'd have to give like 30 1,000-milligram uh, capsules per day to them. But it actually shuts off the gene that causes the damage to the joint in dogs, which is, is wow. remarkable. So you're not just you're not just – it's not just an anti-inflammatory, something for pain. It actually lets it reverse the damage. <clears throat> and also, these Class four lasers now, uh, which are – Remarkable. We use them post-surgery to wipe across the incision line. We use it for chronic ear infections. We use it a lot for arthritis. And I've seen some absolutely remarkable results with pets that were um, had arthritis or had inflammation of the joint or in pain where you do, uh, you know, you typically start out with four to six laser sessions and then just kind of do it on a maintenance basis of every, you know, 30 to 60 days. And finally, as a, what we call last chance cases, they haven't responded to the COX-2 inhibitors like Rimadyl or Tramadol or Medicam. They uh, haven't responded to class four lasers. They haven't responded to Adequin, you know, these kind of joint supplements that you like to use for racehorses. It uh, increases the, the viscosity of the joint fluid. These last chance cases we've given uh, done stem cell therapy with. And I've been part of eight of them now, and... Uh, seven of the eight got remarkable results uh, mm-hmm. where these pets were, you know, literally uh, immobile. They would, you know, couldn't hardly, couldn't get to their feet, couldn't climb, couldn't go up steps, uh, wouldn't jump, cried out when they'd get up. And uh, we saw anywhere from a, a 40 to a 90% improvement of these pets. And it's not really that expensive. It's about, depends on what your veterinarian charges, but two to $3,000. You're there, you go up the falciform ligament above the umbilical cord and you harvest some fat from the, the dog or the cat. You send it off to this, this company, uh, VetStem in California, and they process the pet's own stem cells from, these, from fat, and they're shipped back to you, and they're injected into the joints, and then you give kind of an IV chaser that goes out and searches out these areas of inflammation in the body, and uh, absolutely remarkable. It's like you're... Like you're installing new joints in these pets, so there's there's a lot of options there. You know what I would explore uh, too for um, you know if it's just for pain is uh, probably start out with a class four class four laser, uh, some physical therapy, and and see what that does. Okay. Oh, thank you. Thanks for calling, Ralph. We appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. And so, Dr. Becker, this is um, laser therapy that that you're talking about. Yeah, it's called a class four laser, so it's not a surgical laser where it's cutting. It just penetrates. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's something really weird: in the Beijing Olympics, the same 
the same laser was used on the men's basketball team was used on the equestrian team. It wasn't the same unit. <laughs> but it was the exact, literally the same thing with a different shroud around it. Uh, mm-hmm. They used most major league baseball teams, hockey teams, and stuff use it now. And uh, it's it's just remarkable. It's a non-invasive way of producing some pretty dramatic results. And and you know one of the things about on uh, you know I talked a little bit about rehab. It's really hard to do rehab on cats because they're you know, domestic cats can almost be thought of as exotic pets. You know, just, just they're not it's just probably going to induce more stress than you're going to help. With dogs, it's really, really quite easy now to work with people that are that are trained in rehabilitation to work. I like joint supplements for these uh, these tripods. Uh, actually, I like joint supplements for all pets. And mm-hmm. uh, Dasaquin, uh, it's D A S A Q U I N, is the one I like the best. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, one of the things too, I, I know we're running short of time here. One of the things that's you see with cats a lot and dogs is is hidden pain, especially for cats. And you know, you you got them to start, you know, looking what you see. Like for you know, if they have rapid breathing or they're hiding or they're not one to eat, they're isolating themselves, they're vocalizing differently, they're lethargic. Uh, for cats, uh, often it's uh, they're not grooming themselves anymore. It hurts too much to groom. Uh, they don't get in the litter box literally because it hurts to get up that three or four inches. They don't climb anymore. Uh, there's changes in appetite. Uh, they can't come out and tell you, you know what, I hurt here when this happens, and this is how much I hurt. Mm-hmm. So you have to be astute enough as, as a, a, you know, a pet owner to to know, you know, they're not eating the same. They're vocalizing different. Their activity level changed. Something is different. And now we have, uh, you know, really effective ways to treat pain to where they don't need to be in pain. And, and it's a it's a new world for animals out there. We are we are so happy to have vets like you who are who are leading the way. Thank you so much, Dr. Becker, for being on our show. Loved it. Until next time on Tripod Talk Radio, learn more about canine amputation recovery and find the best gear for three-legged dogs at tripods.com. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for more pet amputation tips from experts. And claim your free gift just for listeners at downloads.tripods.com slash podcast.